Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Eric Holmstrom, Pastor Eric, and uh, I have the privilege, thank you, Randy, I have the privilege of leading the high school ministry here, and I love it, and it is such a gift. Uh, and it was so cool. Uh, uh, Glenn's uh, announcement for me felt like my theme song, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, whoa, I'm getting pumped, I get to preach. And, and so I am so excited to be here uh, with each of you this morning. And we want to especially welcome those of you uh, joining us online, wherever you are. We're glad that you're tuning in with us uh, this morning. And I have a question for each of you this morning. And it might be the most important question that you answer this entire season. It might be the most important question that you answer in your entire lifetime. And it's this, where is your hope? So let me ask it again, again because it's a short question, but it is so important. Where is your hope? And we're going to be exploring that this morning because that question, our answer to that actually defines our life. And here's the funny thing about hope. Everyone needs it. Everyone actually already has it. The question is, where is it? And everyone needs it. You know, before, and we'll show a picture of uh, my wife and I uh, and our son, Charlie. Before we had Charlie, before we were married, uh, we were just kind of friends. And as you can tell from the photo, I married way up. Can we just give maybe an amen for my wife? Because she is so wonderful and she's amazing and, and I love her so much. And before, but before we were married, we were just kind of friends and, and we were hanging out. And I remember going, man, Whatever I have to do, I, I want to marry this woman. She's absolutely incredible. And so one kind of afternoon as we were beginning to become closer friends and we're texting each other a lot and we're calling and we have some of these inside jokes and everything seems to be going great. It's a Monday afternoon and she calls me and she says, Eric, I'd love for you to come out, maybe we can play some tennis. She, she's at a Pepperdine University at this point. So she goes, Eric, I'd love for you to come out. We can play some tennis together. And then I would love it if you would have dinner with my best friend, Katrina, and her boyfriend, Blake. And so I'm thinking, okay, this is amazing, right? Like I am getting invited to have dinner with not only the one and only Sarah, but I'm being invited to have dinner with her best friend, Katrina, and her boyfriend, Blake. And this is Monday night. And so as we're out there, we're playing tennis and I got my tank top on and I'm work my dad's a tennis player. And so he taught me a little thing. I'm way better than him now, but I, I you know, I'm, I'm really good at the tennis. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. We're playing tennis, Sarah and I are, and, and it's going really well. And then all of a sudden Sarah tells me, she says, hey, Eric, I got some good news for you. On Saturday, Blake is going to propose to Katrina and there's going to be a surprise engagement party and you're invited. Whoa, like that's huge, right? Like that means I am on the inside. Like th uh, this is going great. We, Sarah and I are going to have, we're going to get married and have kids and this is going to be an amazing future because I'm getting invited to this surprise engagement party. And so she's like, on Saturday, Blake is going to propose to Katrina and you're invited to the engagement, the surprise engagement party. And so I'm thinking this is awesome. As we're driving to the restaurant on Monday night to have dinner with him, it dawns on me, I can't go to this surprise engagement party because I have something else. I had like, I was working and I had some commitment and I couldn't be there. And so I was absolutely devastated because that was my moment. You know, I mean, I had like, I could have my best jokes lined up. I'd be ready to go. That would be my moment. And so I tell Sarah, I say, Sarah, 
is it okay if I thank Blake for inviting me to this? You know, and she's like, oh yeah, yeah, in private. You can totally thank him, no big deal. Didn't hear the private part. And what I said to her is, I said, we we're out at dinner and, and it's, uh, it's like six o'clock in the evening. We're at this amazing restaurant. I'm sitting right here. Blake is sitting right here. Sarah's sitting next to me. And Katrina, the girlfriend who's going to be proposed to is sitting right there. So we're having dinner. It's a great time. And all of a sudden, I don't even know why. I say, hey, Blake. Okay, this is in front of all of us. Blake, thank you for inviting me to the party on Saturday. And I'm, I'm like, you know, I can't make it. I have this work event. I have something going on. I, I just can't be there. But, you know, thanks so much for inviting me to the party on Saturday. Can you guys believe it? And, she goes, and, and so it's just silent. It's just absolutely silent at the table. And if you're anything like me, I hate awkward situations. I'm so scared of them. And so, it, but if you're also like me, you talk too much. And so I'm like, I got to dig myself out of this. I got to talk myself out of this. And so I said, um, because it's just silent. I'm like, you know, the party on Saturday. I can't make it to the party on Saturday. Again, silence. Absolute silence. And then I say this brilliant line. I go, you guys, Blake, I can't make it to the engagement party on Saturday. I can't make it. I, I, I got this other thing going on and I, I, I want to be there, but I just, I can't make it. And again, just like total silence. Isn't it true that we all need hope, right? Like every single one of us, every single one of us in this room, if you're breathing, if you've been alive for more than a few seconds, you need hope. Because none of us have it all together. You need hope. And then here's the second truth. You actually already have it. And maybe, maybe you don't even know this yet, but you actually already have hope. Because what is hope? Hope is what wakes you up in the morning. Hope is your purpose. Hope is what defines your life. And so the trick is you already have hope. The question is, where is your hope? Or what about this question? Is your hope qualified to be your hope? Is the hope in which you're putting your life in, in which defines you, that hope, is it a worthwhile hope? And I ask you these questions this morning because we're gonna read an age-old story about Jesus, the Son of God, being born into the world. And I think in this passage that we're going to look at in Luke, we're asked this question. Because we are always challenged. We are always asked, are we putting our hope in other things? Or are we putting our hope in Jesus and so we're going to look this morning at Luke chapter 2, and I'm so excited about it. But before we look at Luke chapter 2, I just want to catch you up to speed of what's happened in the beginning of Luke. And so in Luke chapter 1, here's what's going on. All of a sudden, this angel Gabriel visits Zechariah. And he visits this guy, Zechariah, who's old in age, and he says, guess what, Zechariah? I got the best news for you this morning. You and your wife, Elizabeth, are having a kid. And, and he goes, man, I must be tripping because I, I, Angel, you don't understand. Like, I'm, I'm old. I can't have kids. Like, that's impossible. And the angel says, no, dork, I'm an angel. Like, you're having a kid. And so Zachariah begins to freak out. He can't imagine this. And then a little bit later, the same angel visits this woman named Mary. 
And he says to Mary, he says, Mary, guess what? You who are favored, you are going to have a baby boy. And he's going to be called the most high. He's going to be called God with us. The son of God, God himself is about to be born. And she goes, man, angel, she goes, angel, honestly, uh, this is awkward, but like, I haven't done the necessary things to have a baby. And so that's a little weird. And and he goes, don't worry, we're taking care of it. You are going to have a baby. And so then Zachariah starts like singing this song and he's getting all excited. And and for those of you um, uh, who don't know this about me, I'm a little bit crazy like that. I I get really excited about things really easily. And, And Sarah, my wife, when we found out we were pregnant, when we found out we were pregnant, I was like so excited about it. And this was before we even could tell our parents. I had all of this joy in me that I had to do something with. And so I remember Sarah and I went, she told me one afternoon, we went out to dinner and I, we got in an elevator with someone. And I literally just turned to the person next to me and I said, this is weird and you're going to think I'm a freak, but I'm having a baby and that's crazy. And uh, that's the most amazing news in the world. And I remember like then the person who took our order, like I, I just had to tell people because it was the most amazing news in the world. And so that's what happens is they're, they're so excited here that Mary and Zachariah, they start singing these songs of excitement and joy because John the Baptist is going to be born, who's going to prepare the way and lead people towards Jesus, who's going to be born, who is the savior of the world. And so there is all of this excitement. And in this passage that we're going to look at in Luke chapter two, we are right on the heels of that excitement. There is so much anticipation about this baby being born, and then something happens. And this is so significant. Let's catch this. Luke chapter two. In those days, so this is before Jesus was born. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So this is historically accurate and backed up. There was this Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, who lived and reigned as the emperor of Rome between 27 BC and 14 AD. And these kind of censuses were fairly common because the the purposes behind them is that an emperor would say, hey, we need to take a census because one, I want to figure out how many people are in our territory so I can tax them better. And secondly, we need to start recruiting more for military efforts. And so here we go. Augustus is saying, you know, it's time for us all to get together and find out who's really in our land. But here's what's interesting about Augustus. Let me just share with you a little bit of the historical definitions and descriptions and names that Augustus was given. And this is really significant. Augustus was called Savior of the world. Augustus in that day, in that time, was known as Messiah, as the Lord of Lords. In fact, some people even called him Son of God. You know, his his birth, when he was announced as a baby, you know what they said? You know what they used? You know what phrase they used to describe his birth? They said, This is good news. This is the gospel. Augustus has been born to be the savior for us. Check out this quote from a Mirian inscription. It says, divine Augustus Caesar, son of God, imperator of land and sea, the benefactor and savior of the whole world. 
And this is incredibly significant that when Luke begins his story of the son of God, the real son of God, the real savior coming into the world, he says, look, you got to know Jesus was born into a world where there was already someone called savior. There was already someone called son of God. There was already someone called Messiah. Verse four, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And I want to pause here for just a second because for me, because I've heard this story my entire life, I've grown up with it. Maybe some of you have been in church for a real long time and maybe there's even some of you in this room who have never been to church before. This is your very first time. We are so glad you're here with us, but I bet you even know this story. I bet you've heard this story. And so I I saw this clip and I want to play it for us in a second because for me, it got me back in that moment. It captured me again to remember that Jesus being born was not just some fairy tale story. It was not just this thing that religious people believe, but that Mary and Joseph traveled 85 miles to Bethlehem. And this is what happened. Did you see that moment where all of a sudden the baby Jesus is born? Mary says, this is Jesus. And all of a sudden they bow down. Because you see, there's something significant that has happened. Because someone very special has been born. And you see, in this story in Luke chapter 2, so far of what we read, it's all of this excitement about this baby being born. This is an absolutely incredible story that there's been so much anticipation for. And then all of a sudden, there's this like abrupt like halt in the text. There's this like turn that we weren't expecting. And check this out. In verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. It's like, God, get back to the story of like, Jesus has been born. There's all this excitement, anticipation. But he continues, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Did you catch that? I bring you good news. I bring you a gospel of great joy that will be for all people. This is for everyone. Today in the town of David, a savior, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I want to just make two observations and I want to talk about them with you this morning because this is such a significant moment right here where the angel, the angels show up to these shepherds and they say, I have good news for you of great joy to you, a savior, a Messiah, a Lord has been born. And you know what's interesting is 2000 years have passed And aren't we still finding ourselves putting our hope, our trust, our worth, our value in the Augustuses of our lives? I mean, you can't read this story and not notice that 
Luke intentionally says, this is in the time of Augustus. This is in the time where there is already a supposed savior. There is already a supposed hope that people are putting their trust into. It's in that very moment. It's in that very time when God pays a visit and shows up and says, I'm the savior of the world. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Lord. And 2000 years have gone by and we're still in the same predicament. Because hope is not a dispensable luxury. Hope is not a dispensable luxury. Hope is actually what defines your purpose. So we can't get away from it. We absolutely need it. But the problem is we put it in all of the wrong things. Maybe there's some of you in this room who your hope, if you were just going to be so brutally honest this morning, your hope is in that relationship, is in that boyfriend or that girlfriend that all of your eggs are in that basket and this person becomes your identity and your value and it shapes all of who you are. Or maybe you're a parent and maybe your hope is in how your kids turn out and you focus so much of your energy, it becomes who you are in who your kids become. Or maybe some of you are really successful people And maybe your career has become your God. It's become your everything. Because what your hope is reveals who your God is. What your hope is, it's what wakes you up and it reveals who your God is. And so maybe it's your career. Maybe it's it's this movement that you're going to make. And it feels like at times you're willing to do whatever it takes to climb that ladder. I don't know what it is for each of you this morning. But I know that every single person in this room has hope. The question is, where is it? Is your hope qualified to be your hope? Because you see, when our hope is in anything other than the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord of the universe, things get all out of whack. Because nothing, nothing in this world was ever created to become our God. Nothing in this world was created to become all of our identity and all of our worth and our value to be defined by it. That can only be found in Jesus. That can only be found in the savior of the world who woke you up this morning, who brought you to life, who thought you were a great idea, who said, I'm bringing this person here because I want them to know that I want to be their hope, that I love them so much that I gave up my entire life for them that they would be in a relationship with me. You see, God in Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, and our Messiah, is the only one qualified to be your hope. And so what's your Augustus this morning? What's your Augustus? What's that thing that, man, if you were going to be real honest right now, man, my worth and my value is in this. Because can I just be honest with you? It's going to let you down. It's not going to pull through for you because it wasn't intended to. You know, if I'm just going to be honest, I mean, my hope, you know what, honestly, I put my hope in a lot of times. My hope is that in, in, I want every single high school student to think I'm the coolest guy around. 
which you're laughing because that's not going to happen. You're looking at me, right? Like it's not going to happen, but I have my hope. I put all my eggs in this basket that I want all these high school students to just think I am like the coolest, raddest guy ever. And man, that keeps me awake at night. It wakes me up in the morning, but I got to tell you, it's not helping. It's not a kind of hope that I can put my life into. And you see, Jesus came to free us from the Augustuses of this world. From the very things that you've put your hope in, Jesus came this morning to say to you, come on, let's do something better. Come on, put your hope in me because I am the true savior. I am the true Messiah. I am the true Lord. Augustus is long gone, but Jesus is still alive. Amen? Jesus is still alive today. He is still doing things. He is still at work and he loves you. Which brings me to my last point. After we've kind of talked about this for a few minutes, I, I, I want to be honest that if you're anything like me, and I hope there's some of you in this room who go, man, if God knew what my life is like, there's no way he would want to be my hope. Man, if he knew the things I'd been up to, if he knew the things that I was looking at online, if he knew the secrets I kept, if he knew the business dealings that I have been a part of, if he knew the relationship that I was in, Man, if he knew the decisions I've made for the last few years, if he knows that one decision I made that has haunted me, there is no way that God of the universe wants to be my hope. And boy, am I excited that you're here this morning because did you catch who God made his one and only big birth announcement to? A bunch of shepherds. And depending on how you look at history, there's some people that think of when, when they see a shepherd, when they think about his, with shepherds back in the time of Jesus, they say, you know, these shepherds could, be, could have been criminals. They could have been thieves. They could have been people who didn't really obey the law. They could have been the people that are marginalized from our society. They could have been the people who don't have it all together. Maybe like some of us in this room. Or some people look at it and say, you know, these shepherds, they were the poor. They were the people who just absolutely did not have a big enough career to where they could provide for themselves in the day. And so they had to work the night shift. They had to work at night. They had to tend to these sheep because they had no other option. But however you dice it historically, the one thing is true about these shepherds is they probably didn't have it all together. They probably were as messed up as you and I. They probably didn't read their Bible a whole ton. They probably made decisions that they regretted later. They probably had burdens. And yet God makes one giant birth announcement to one group of people. And it's the shepherds. You know, when our son was born, uh, if you've done this before, you, you kind of take like a billion pictures of your kid and then, and then you put it on like this fancy postcard and you send them out to like hundreds of people. I mean, we were just like writing fake names and addresses because we wanted everyone to see that our son was born. And so we, t- we you know, we, t- we had him kind of lay on the ground and we took all these pictures of him and all this stuff and we put on this postcard and sent it out and it was like, we wanted everyone to know. But God does it a little differently. God says, through the angels, I'm going to make one announcement. One announcement. 
And so I can imagine the angels, maybe, maybe they're having these conversations. They're going, okay, well, maybe we could give it to, maybe we could announce it to the people uh, that are leading the temple. Maybe we could announce it to the people that are most religious who could share that message. Or, you know, I, I know, let's, let's announce it to one person who has been like the like holiest of the year, right? Like, okay, we'll, we'll take a little tally. We'll see who's the holiest of the year and we'll announce it to that one person. But God has a different idea. God makes one big birth announcement to a group of shepherds. And so my hope and my encouragement is that this morning, maybe you'd recognize that, you know, my hope has been in an Augustus and it's got to turn to Jesus now because Augustus isn't working out and Augustus will fade. And then maybe you might also feel this. Maybe after this morning, you might say, you know what? I'm broken. I'm flawed. I don't have it all together. But it was a person like me who God decided to make his big birth announcement that his son was coming to the world to save absolutely everybody. And yet he says to these shepherds very specifically, to you, a savior has been born. Do you hear how personal it is? The angels say, this good news of great joy is for all people to you. A savior has been born. Ah, oh, man, maybe there's some of you in this room who need that. Maybe there's some of you in this room who you've put all your hope in all these other things because you may don't, you may, maybe you don't believe Jesus actually wants to be your hope. And yet here's the catch. And if you're going to follow God, you just have to get used to this. God delights in surprising you with his love. God absolutely delights. It's like one of his favorite things in the world to surprise each of you with his love. Because we don't deserve it. He doesn't love us because we have it all together. He loves us because of who he is. And guess what? You're the recipient. You get to be the recipient. Whether you like it or not, you are the recipient of God's love. And oh, how he wants to be in a relationship with you. How he wants to know you. How he wants to love you. But it begins with you recognizing what is your hope in because he wants to free you from those idols. He wants to free you from your hope being in that relationship or that job or that kid. Maybe there's some of you, uh, maybe there's some of you this morning who don't feel a lot of hope at all. Maybe there's some of you who have an illness, who have had a horrible tragedy, who have had something go on, and you go, man, it feels like I don't got any hope. And is there a better time? Is there a better season for you to say, you know what? I'm going to put my hope in Jesus because he came as a savior, as a Messiah. And as a Lord. And when we put our hope in Jesus, our relationships begin to make sense. Our careers begin to make sense. Our families begin to make sense because we're not putting our hope in them, but we're putting all of our hope in who Jesus is. And man, God would love to be that for you this morning. God would love to begin a journey with you this morning. God would love for you to answer the question, where is my hope? It is only in Jesus. It is only in Jesus. Pray with me. God, thank you for this morning.
Thank you for a time as a family, as a community to come together and, and to recognize that God, one, we need hope. Two, we already have it. And, and to actually ask the question, where is it? And God, if I'm gonna be honest before you, I put my hope in so many other things. And this morning I am choosing to put my hope in you. To put everything that I am for my entire purpose and being to be defined by who you are because you came to a bunch of shepherds who are just like me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this community. Let us be different. Let us put our hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray.